Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Wings of Fury. Yes. Wings like on it. fire. That's what this, this is a product tie in game, just like mine. What, what Abfab? Yeah. This, the, you but know, this is Wings of Fury, not Wheels of Fury. Maybe it's not a product tie in game after all. No. Although I like that song. Yeah. Wheels on fire. You know who sang that on the show who gets credited for it? I don't. Abe Edmondson, the, uh, the guy who played Vivian on Young Ones. Really? He, is also, it... he also appeared on the show a couple times. Now, is it actually true? Did he actually sing that song? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what it says on the credits. If you were going to make an AbFab game, what would it be? Um, I think I would make it sort of like a Lost Vikings. It'd be where you, you each of them have their own talents. It'd be stuff like getting into bars, uh, getting out of wacky adventures. You could tag in and out, you know. It'd be fun. Or there, going out with trying to pick up young men. <laughs> there, you know? would, there would definitely be a mini game about getting out of the car. Yeah, um. or like there'd be one where uh, uh, Adina would have to go to the weight loss clinic or something like that. She, always, she, she was always doing that. Mm. There'd be some stuff where you had to uh, uh, – Screw around with Saffron or or the or the grandma, you know. Mm-hmm. They had to get all those chicks, ever get them all involved. Yeah. What was the, what was the chick's name? Uh, uh, uh that the secretary Dippy Bu- or Bubbles. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Got to get her in there too. I love all these characters. It's a great show. It is. It's a fantastic show. All right, Aaron. You know what else is a fantastic show? Amigos Retro Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Ad fab. Are you kidding me? We've got a website, Aaron, everythingamiga.com. Yeah. And this thing has been a bustle of activity lately. Uh, and by bustle, I mean uh, we've got a couple new Some. articles up here. So let's, let's, let's check it out. Let's see what's been going on over on the site. Uh, first Look at thing, that handsome devil. Yeah. First thing is, you know what? I, if I'm looking back here, uh, yeah, it looks like Duncan's thing did come in under the wire. We talked about the build, part three of the build last week. Yeah. So this was the first article that I've written for the site in gosh knows how many years. Uh, this is uh, Adventures with the Amiga 1000. So uh, we, I got this Amiga uh, last Thanksgiving. We, we fired it up during the Taze Valley Computer Club, and uh, there were some disk issues. The, discs, this would, the, the, the disk drive would move, we'd get to a certain point, and everything would cease. And I said, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this thing. And so I open it up, I, I remove the shielding for the first time. Removing the shielding in this thing is no small feat. This thing is locked down like Alcatraz, man. Yeah. There are several hundred screws one must... And there were screws that were already out that I didn't have to... I mean, like, it's insane. So anyway... I, I will say, getting the shielding of the Intellivision is harder. They've got it soldered down. Oh, that was oh yeah, that's no yeah. good. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had to flip open the, the top plastic case, take a picture of all the signatures in there, and awesome. then I saw the, the glorious board. I was very surprised. I was expecting this thing to be really, really filthy, but it was actually not too bad. I, I bought a set of anti-static brushes and uh, cleaned them Ooh. up. 
And uh, so anyway, I pulled this drive out. This drive is insane because most of the time you've got a metal bracket on top of the drive that you take off. And then underneath that, you can see the read write head and the motor and all that. On this, it's got circuit boards on both sides. This is a yeah. real, real wacky drive. Uh, I did figure out a way to uh, to take it off, and when we uh, and I, I made a video about that. But anyway, uh, I took everything apart. I, I plugged it in. I fired it up, and still, still can't get past uh, basically the first or second sector of each disc. Things would always load partially, but never all the way through. This is a Carmen San Diego disc that I had. So the good news is that the Amiga is functional, except for the drive. Uh, the bad news is that it's not completely, completely functional yet yet is the keyword and and you also had an accompanying tie-in video which we'll get to in a little bit yeah you know one thing about those old drives boat uh if you remember uh five and a quarter inch and three and a half inch floppy disks were super expensive mm -hmm. and then they dropped in price rapidly and that's because the technology uh condensed you right know, they were able to take all that stuff off i mean think about what you got there the amount of like parts and electronics that are on the, that double board is that's a lot of stuff there oh yeah and if you if you look at what's in a uh, three and a half inch floppy drive like today, I mean it's practically nothing. Yeah, you know, exactly. they really condensed it down. So those, those and those things are heavy too. I remember in the old IBM days uh, pulling those five and a quarter inch discs. I mean those things were heavy metal. You know, you know they were anchors. Mm -hmm. and they had a lot of uh, money in them. You know, I remember for the Coco, good lord, getting the five and a quarter inch disc drives would cost you hundreds of dollars. Yeah, you know? well so, I know that for the C sixty four. Uh, there's actually like another C64 basically inside the drive enclosure, which is no, why they were so expensive. That, that's a whole different wacky there. <laughs> the, no computer had drive like a C64. They were off the charts on those. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think you'll we'll get you eventually. You can see why I just stuck a, a, a GoTech in mine, but I understand that you're trying to be a purist on this. On I this one, I am. That. You know, let's go Very ahead and, and jump over to this video since we uh, since we're we're talking about it. So this is the uh, this is the NEC uh, FD thirteen oh five. There is nothing online about this thing. You know, you think about at this point with the Amiga 1000 being the iconic computer that it is, you'd think every square inch of this thing would have been scrutinized. But I looked online and there was one post from EAB and one post on Lemon that briefly mentioned this as one of the drives that might possibly come with the 1000. Other than yeah. that, there was nothing. So uh, I decided to take it upon myself to at least show people if they have one of these drives how to open it up. Because I turned this thing around in my mind. This was like one of those puzzles you get over at the Cracker Barrel with the nails and you're uh -huh. trying to take them. I had no idea what to do with this thing, but it turns out that over at the, in the, on the north side of this thing, you got to pull those things out. There are some there are some Molex connections, and then there are three screws which allow you to, to lift this top board uh, right out of the enclosure. And then you can get to kind of you can get to the read write head and the the motor. But there's very little play in the motor. On some of the later drives, you can adjust the motor, the speed of the motor, and stuff yeah. like that. The problem is is that because you have to put this thing back together to test it. It's a, it's a very, very labor-intensive process, and I was, at this point, after cleaning the heads, I knew that any further thing I could do to it, I would be likely to damage the drive irreparably, so I just, I put it all back together and slapped it back in the machine. You know, I know a man, if we can ever get another computer club together, when this crap ends, uh, we have our buddy, 
John and Charleston, the cleaning messiah, the cleaning machine, mm-hmm. who who is a meticulous mega drive cleaner. Yes, I would I would turn that sucker loose on this thing and see what he can do with it. Maybe he can get in there and find the things that we can. Absolutely, because he is master. If anybody can do it, he can. That's a great. I can't wait till the next computer club meeting, three to five years from now. You know. While we're on the subject, let's go ahead. Why don't we just run through our videos for this week? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. So uh, the next on the docket here, we let's talk about last week's uh, R. Sinclair boat. Yeah, man. Uh, we we had quite a game last week, and it was it was one of those games where we're sort of caught in the middle as to how we thought what we thought about it. And the game was deflector, spelled cool guy style. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was this was one unique. Uh, nutty game, wasn't it, Boat? It was. It was this. This was. I hadn't played anything quite like this before. Yeah, and it's a it's a reflective laser game where you try to solve puzzles using like mirrors and lay. It's very unusual, hard to explain. Very cl- clever, and I, I think it's a uh, uh, game that's worth looking at. I saw that Eric from Pixel Gaiden mentioned that he had tried it out this week and he really enjoyed it after mm-hmm. listening to the show. So uh, it's it, not for everyone, but I, I actually like that. Normally, I'm not a big puzzle guy. Um, moving along, uh, we did a, uh, ARG over the weekend on the Game Boy Advance. We picked a couple games on the GBA. Uh, the, uh, games we picked out this week were Ninja 5-0 and Pinball of the Dead. I had to say Ninja 5-0 is quite a game. Uh, the, the Brent picked that one out and it is a real sleeper. I mean, I'd never heard of it, and man, it's a, it was really fun, Bo. And I think, you, did you give that one a shot? You did. I you? did. I did. I gave both of these games a shot. The GBA is is my favorite portable console of all time. I love the GBA, and uh, having, you know, getting a chance to, to fire it up through emulation uh, was was really, really fun. Um, I will say that I liked Ninja 5.0 much more than the game that you chose, Pinball of the Dead, which was... I think Pinball of the Dead was okay. Mm. I, it was not great. I liked I like uh, Devil's Crush and uh, uh, Alien Crush, those games. I, I liked, or like uh, uh, Metroid Pinball or whatever. I liked those games. And I thought this was uh, somewhere in, in the middle or lower part of that type of game. But it was still ahead its moment. Yeah. Now, so, but, one of the tables was garbage, though. I will admit that. Before, Although, and also, both, there's some great music in that. You can't deny that. Had that's some, true. The GBA could pump out some tunes. I can't believe how good it was. It had a really good sound. Uh, yeah. You know, I couldn't let the, 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 the opportunity pass by to, to make my own short video. What I wish I would have done is recorded this so you guys could have stuck it into the show itself. But uh, I, I, you know, I woke up one morning and I was like, you know what? I just want to talk about the GBA for ten minutes. So that's what I did. This is your classic YouTube monologue where some yep. dope sits in front of the camera and waxes nostalgic about something he's into. So <laughs> I like that. I, I was very heartfelt, but I, I enjoyed that. Um, our good buddy has been at it again here and has put together. And I'm talking, of course, the brutal, the brutal one, but mm-hmm. brutal Barracuda. It's funny we just mentioned him in the. Uh, Episode, one of the episodes of uh, 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 ARG this week or last week, and he's at it again. He hooked up with Kim Justice and put together a most played Amiga games top 10 uh, based on her selections and uh, made a nice video. Of course, he did it in his own uh, awesome style, uh, which uh, is very neat. Uh, uh, I actually have listened to most of her or have watched most of her top 100 list things. Uh, uh, she's put uh, puts out. She's put out quite a bit of those here recently. So I always recommend Kim's stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and, and brutal stuff's great too. So that's a good watch. Um, 
we had and now you have released another one of your light gun game uh checks and this one's robot attack Bo, you want to talk about robot attack yeah so robot attack was the the first game you know i was playing this series of games um through the uh the flash cart that we have the div mmc future and i was just yeah, getting you- i was getting nowhere with this thing well, when I started firing up these, uh, when I started firing up these these games on the um, on the real cassette, uh, yeah. I was having much more luck, uh, and I don't I don't know why that is. I can't explain it. But Robot Attack That's is weird. it's it's a pretty fun game. Basically, what you have to do is you have to fend off these robots while you're building your own killer mega robot over there on the corner. And when the killer mega robot shows up, the other robots run in terror. So it's a really good game. I'm a fan. Very good. And that is strange. That'd be interesting to pose on Twitter. I'd like to see people respond as to why they think that might happen, Boat. Yeah, yeah. It is. You know? It's it's very, very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um, next on the docket, a Brutal Barracuda's back. This time it's the top 10 games of our good and dear friend, friend of the show for a long, long time, The Huck, Gary Hucker. In fact, I didn't see this one pop the, up. That, the, watch this that, one. that has not been released yet. Oh, unreleased, eh? Okay, I see. It's marked probably. Well, that's coming. There's a preview. My bad, Boat. Um, we should mention this one. Uh, last week's Coco show. Yeah. Uh, we did speed, Go Speed Racer Go Speed Racer on the Coco show. What would you think of that one, Boat? Well, it was funny. I was reading through some of the comments, and people were like, this isn't like Speed Racer at all. What's going on? And it's like, well, <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah, because it's not based on the cartoon whatsoever. It's a car. It's a racing game. You go fast. It's Speed Racer. This, this was a very pleasant surprise. I really enjoyed this one. I wasn't aware that the Coco could pull off this kind of this kind of fast-scrolling play field, and it really does a good job. Yeah, and uh, uh, we had some inside baseball on this thing where uh, one of the fellows who had talked to the guy that wrote it, this guy wrote all this stuff, like, straight up. I mean, he, he had all this stuff memorized. Yeah. It's quite brilliant that he wrote it the way he wrote it. And it reminded me, like I said, I mentioned to you, it reminded me of that handheld... Uh, racing game that, that you've got over there right where you just score points you're passing cars i like that um let's see here last on the docket we've talked about your drive we talked about your love water gba you also did a gameplay uh, on operation wolf boat yeah and this uh, this was a complete disaster uh the, oh no what happened <laughs> the operation wolf the 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 game loaded this is uh and but I could not get any action out of the gun at all. So this is this was this was one of the duds. Uh, and again, it's just a weird thing how the game works fine on some games, but did not work at all on other games. Now, both so, is this one you loaded off tape, or did you load this off the off the? Uh, this uh, was uh, this was another one I did both. I did both, and I, I had no what, luck on that either. That is strange mm-hmm. that the gun works perfectly well with some games. Sort of okay with some and doesn't work at all for others. Yeah, weird thing. That's the Magnum weird, is a weird, weird that's device. That's out of our pay grade, Boat. Yeah, yeah. So that's I think that catches us up on videos, Boat. Well, all right. Well, it's a good thing because there's a whole lot of news coming down the tracks on the gamble train this week, Aaron. All right, man. It's time for this week's me. Amiga news. First of all, Ravi is back with a brand new Amiga historical video. Um, you know, Ravi's a man of many talents. He's not only, yeah, yeah, you know, the award-winning host of the Retro Hour podcast, but he is also a professional DJ with two Amiga 1200s, and he does these really, really fine, in-depth looks at Amiga history. Were you really familiar at all with the ESCOM part of Amiga history, Aaron? I, no, I will say this video was excellent, and, I, and, and I, he knew a lot more than I had heard. I knew some of—I knew ESCOM was a big deal— I knew they had brick and mortar stores 
in Germany and throughout parts of Europe. I knew they had a grand vision, but didn't have a real good plan. And I knew they'd built their own Amigas. Uh, I didn't realize how briefly they built them. And uh, it, but I mean, no, this thing was Ravi did a great job. And also, Ravi, one thing he does that I like is he really kind of cuts through the baloney and tells you what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like that. It was a, an excellent show. I don't know where he got some of this footage either. There was a lot of amusing backstage footage of like SCOM events and stuff. Yeah, a lot of focused on hot chicks. <laughs> That's for what, example. you know. It's it's funny because we we live in an age where those those days will never return. But it seemed like yeah, all of these events were just sort of you know hot models just strutting their stuff, <laughs> just dancing. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, but I I thought it was extremely amusing that SCOM went through several logo changes with the new Amiga. The first one turned out to be the same logo as the one used in Scientology. And then yeah, they then they then they paid for Og Designs, you know the famous designers of the Apple logo, uh, up teen thousands of euros or whatever to basically put a red square above the Amiga text and call that a logo. So I thought all that awesome stuff was crap. yeah, I thought all that stuff was sure. was interesting. Think about the money they wasted. This if you if you're involved with the Amiga, instantly your brain falls out. I mean, you become <laughs> the biggest overspending idiot ever. And yeah. it's another example. So anyway, definitely, this is one you can't miss. Escom Amiga Part 1, Commodore Amiga, The Next Generation by Ravi Abbott. Check that thing out. I agree. Out. That was an excellent video. Now, Aaron, this is, this is something that popped up. I don't even know where I saw this, okay? But this is, this is not really news, but this is something that I, it was cool stuff I found on the internet. You ever find cool stuff on the internet? I never do, but <laughs> This is a screen full of fictional video game stills. Okay, so this is an artist, uh, Suzanne Trister has posted this up, and she was just really into drawing on the Amiga. And, uh, you know, this is back before people talked about pixel art. It was just like, this was art I did on the Amiga. And what she did, she was not a programmer. She was a, uh, she was just an artist, but what she did was she decided that she was going to make a series of fictional game screenshots. So these are all screenshots of games that do not exist, but they, 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 they look like they could. And I went through these and I just found these things fascinating because some of these look like they could actually come from games. Like, like this one right here, it's like examine the evidence. Like that's, that's pretty neat. Um, have you ever seen anything like this, Aaron? I have never seen anything like that. That is the wackiest thing I've ever seen. I love it. I've got to see this. I've, I've, that's a, what a wacky idea. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you can check this out on the link on the uh, the show notes there at the bottom of the page of, of the YouTube video or the podcast to check these out. But again, uh, these are fictional video game stills drawn on the Amiga. All right, Aaron. Next up, there is a new game out, Tiny Invaders. This comes to us, as so many quality news stories do, from Indie Retro News. This is a small Space Invaders clone for the Amiga OCS ECS. Are you a big fan of Space Invaders, Aaron? You know, my my son's desk is the Cocktail Space Invaders cabinet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that. It's a... uh, so, yes, I always like Space Invaders. In fact, we bought it to fix. I just never got around to it, so we made a desk out of it. Uh, But uh, Space Invaders were the first games I saw when I was a kid. Uh, man, that's moving a lot faster than the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> man, this is, they're not screwed around. These invaders learn something. But, you know, a lot of people, I love this, the the uh, uh, later, like, redos of Space Invaders that they did. I think there's some really good ones, including one on the Amiga that I've always wanted to cover. Uh, the, uh, Space Invaders, when they took the concept of it and it advanced it, 
and, and fooled with it. I thought they came up with some really good stuff. But the original concept, I mean, you've got to understand the, when it was birthed. I mean, the, 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 the pickings were slim. You know, there was, no one had came up with these concepts of what you could do in this game. And it's quite, it's a, it's a fun game. I think it sort of can be relaxing to sit down and play it. And I still do play it occasionally. Uh, it also is one of those games in the arcade that had that kind of, uh, uh, you'll find the machines with the colored film over the screen, mm -hmm. you know. I always mm -hmm. thought that was kind of a neat trick. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Hey, the more Space Invader knockoffs, the better. I don't have any problem with it. It looks it looks pretty interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and finally, Aaron, uh, this comes to us from Pixels at Dawn over on our Discord. Uh, Amos Professional has been released for AGA systems, Aaron. The world oh. has been clamoring for AGA uh, use. They, they're, they're programming in AMOS, and they want to take advantage of the AGA chipset, and now they can. Um, you know, AMOS is, is one of the many programming languages on the Amiga, and I guess there were some really high-profile uh, games written with it. I guess uh, Flight of the Amazon Queen was written with AMOS. That's the one that came to mind instantly, mm -hmm. uh, was, was Flight of the Amazon Queen. Listen, AMOS was a... Uh, uh, very well thought of when it was released. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can't. Can I sit here and rattle off uh, all the classic hits that came with it? I can't. But I know it had a good rep. I like the idea they put an AGA version together, and maybe we'll see. You know, we've seen a lot of this sort of a resurgence in these uh, uh, game pro game making program languages here recently. We've seen a lot of games come out, you know, with them. So maybe we'll see what Amos can put out uh, in 2020. Yeah. I like the idea of an AGA. Maybe we'll see someone that can really take advantage of what they've got to work with now. These uh, these screen caps they have look make this. Of course, these are you know de demos, but these look really good. So I, I hope something something awesome comes out of this for sure. All right, Aaron, that's going to wrap things up for this week's Amiga news. The gamble train is rolling away, and it's time to get into the plane, Aaron. Let's talk about Wings of Fury. Oh, hold, hold on just hold on just a second, Aaron. Uh, I've I've not uh, correctly uh, identified your audio out uh, deal here. All right, continue. Try. No one can silence me for long, <laughs> Go ahead. Boat. Anyway, it's funny that this would come up because uh, not too. You know, it's been probably uh, gosh, now it's probably been over a year. Me and the Brant looked at Wings of Fury on the X sixty eight thousand. I remember that episode, uh, it, which which is an interesting twist, and I, which I'll get into this a little bit later. But it so I uh, was and I had played this. This is one game on the Amiga that I had played before, and I'm guessing you'd probably played this one, hadn't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I played this a long, long time ago on an Amigos place. That's what I thought. I, I was pretty sure I'd seen you put one up. So, uh, Wings of Fury released in '90, boat uh, on disc. Uh, this was published by Broderbund. Uh, and uh, is a one-player game developed by uh, USI, which we've actually covered one of their games on the Amiga. They did they did Super C, Bo, if you remember that one. Oh, not not a not a super awesome effort there. Well, I, I think yeah, it wasn't the best. It was okay. It was okay. Um, this was uh, created and developed by a guy named Steve Waldo. Uh, the Amiga graphics guy was uh, John. Uh, Boschler, who worked on some pretty big games, both Test Drive 1 and 2 and Hardball uh, were a couple. The music was a fellow named Chris Hadalid, 
who worked on uh, the 4D games we played. It's funny, we just played one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, NASCAR Challenge, Hardball 2, a couple of, you know, Super C. So these people were, knew what they were doing. Um, this game is a World War II-themed uh, game where you are a fighter pilot and you are battling uh, the forces from Japan uh, during the war. Now, uh, uh, with that... Uh, you get you get a lot of uh, uh, I guess you get that war element that's always kind of a walking on eggshells type thing. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like the idea of, of going out and gunning down another people's another country's dudes. Yeah, you know? yeah. There, uh, but, there's you know, that whole side of it for sure. You've got to put yourself in the frame of the war. You know, I did it in Wings. You know, I did it in a bunch of games, but it's never. I, I, uh, uh, it's not something I'm necessarily comfortable uh, talking about, just necessarily gunning dudes down, but that's what happens. Right. Um, so, uh, I guess before we get into it, we should mention, this got converted, I mentioned we'd played this in the 68,000. Uh, this got converted to a, this has got a surprising amount of ports to me, Boat, uh, given what the game is. Uh, this was on the, uh, the Amstrad. Uh, this was on the Apple. I believe the Apple may have been its original format, I'm, I'm thinking. I think that may have been where it first came up, but that could be wrong. Uh, C64. This had a Game Boy Color release, Bo. Did you really? know that? I had no idea. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, I know. That's strange to me. They had a DOS uh, version, of course, the X68000 and the NEC PC9801. Um, I will say, I might as well just go ahead and say it now. The funny thing about the X68000 version of this, it's the only one, I think, uh, that where, where you play the Japanese, and you're actually, uh, you, they changed it so you're attacking American ships. So when me and Brent reviewed this, we were basically shooting ourselves. Right. Uh, which was, and also they they changed the way, uh, the uh, they changed the way the stages are set up. Because in the in the in the very first level of that one, you actually are fighting carrier against carrier, aircraft carriers, opposed to this one where you start off with a land based target. So. Let's boil this down. What do you do in this game? Well, it comes up with a little intro that kind of gives you some background on what's going on. And then you have a, uh, a menu to choose your uh, difficulty. And the difficulties are set up in ranks, military ranks, Boat. Are you uh, good at knowing all those? No. That is I'm one not of either. the things that I'm least good at. The good thing is they're in order. <laughs> because otherwise, we'd be in trouble. Um so, and I never, ever even attempted to play anything above the lowest rank. And there's a ton of these ranks, aren't there, Bode? They have a ton, a ton. Yeah. So, you start off, at your, your fighter, you're on an aircraft carrier, and your fighter is elevated up on the deck. And you get to choose your armament. Uh, you've got uh, bombs, missiles, and torpedoes. Mm -hmm. uh, the, and, these, and the choices you make here are important. Uh, in fact, it's some, somewhat stupid, I think, to even have a choice. Because I, I mean, you can take torpedoes to and go you blow stuff up with them, bomb with them, but that's not what they're intended for. Uh, that you know, so you sort of have to know what you're doing before you pick your armor. But once you pick your armor, it's time to take off from the carrier. Now I wanted to ask you both, uh, and I know you've played this a bunch of times. Do you recall when you first started playing this? Did you have any trouble learning how to take off? Um, I. When I first, well, this wasn't, I didn't have as much problem with this as I did uh, Blue Max. Maybe because Blue Max is so difficult. I, that's always sort of my go-to, like, you know, benchmark. Um, now, what about Rocket Ranger, Bo? Rocket Ranger is much, much harder. Much, much harder. <laughs> I, I never got off the ground with Rocket Ranger. Um, this game is, uh, 
the plane has a certain weight to it when you take off. Like you will you will sink like a stone. Uh, like when you when you and maybe this is realistic. You know, my experience taking off of, of aircraft carriers is is limited. But it, I mean, like you all, every time you, you get off of one of these things, your plane will start to descend towards the ocean and only at what seems to be the last minute will you manage to sort of right the ship and climb. So Yeah, it, when, you, when you first play this game, you're going to instantly die 20 times. And the funny thing is once you land, once you learn how to take off once, you'll never crash again. It's quite simple, but the controls on this... You know, anytime you've got a game with an airplane, you sort of expect the controls to be a certain way, and inevitably they're not. Right. <laughs> Blue Max was like that, and this is like that too. If you're trying to pull back to go up, you'll die, and which is the natural thing to do. Uh, what you have to do is push forward on your joystick until your back tail wheel comes off the uh, come off the deck, and then you can start hitting diagonal up in the direction you're going, and then you'll you'll take off now. Boat mentioned that you do sink like a stone when you first take off, and so you can easily, if you panic or you know screw up, you can just sink right in the water. So when you a little, here's a little pro tip, boat. If you really want to make sure you're gonna, you've got enough speed, you can actually go the wrong way down the deck, turn around, and then have a longer run going off the other other side of the, of the deck. I don't know if you ever did that. Uh, but I, I did it a few times early on to get myself you know, reacquainted with the uh, with the takeoff procedure. And of course, when you land in this game, you have to approach from the other side. So. That's right, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that I had to, I didn't wasn't sure about that. You had to read up on that when it first happened. So, what do you do in this game? Well, you take off from your carrier, and you're on the first level anyway. Your goal is to go to a some Japanese held islands and bomb the bomb the crap out of them uh really there's not a ton of stuff on the islands uh, except for a few buildings a few anti-aircraft uh guns and uh, like a headquarters and some troops and so you take as many trips as it takes to blow these guys up um uh, this game has uh, a couple interesting i want to call them fake outs boat i guess and one of the fake outs is the uh how it changes your view as you get, uh, it's got what we call, me and Brick called it fake scaling. Uh, when you get too high on the screen, the screen actually zooms way out uh, and, and shows a very, a very tiny version of what you're doing to kind of give you the idea of how high you are. Uh, what did you think about this effect, Boat? I thought it was cool. You know, I always like miniature type games. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so that, that, that pleased me. However, um, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it was different. I, I'm sort yeah. of ambivalent towards the whole thing. Yeah, and then secondly, you also had, uh, and this is interesting, uh, and, and I, I'm begging for someone to explain the, the point of this, but you've also got a little uh, view screen that's a, like, a, pretend there's a camera mounted on, on at the tip of your propeller. Uh, you've got a little viewer at the bottom of the, of the screen that shows you sort of what's coming. Right. Now, the funny thing about this is, Boat, uh, you can be 4 million feet in the air, and if when you come towards land or an aircraft carrier, that you'll see it in that thing. But I always wonder how in God's name could it see it at that angle. And really, I can't find any use for this thing at all. It's got a little targeting thing on it, but I don't, I'm not the man that can use that to target anything. Did you use this screen for anything whatsoever? Never. 
Never. Yeah. So you, you agree with me? It's a pointless, pointless little like trinket, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it looks kind of cool that it's there, but it's absolutely useless in real life. Yeah. Uh, it, it's this game has got a, like I said, it's a couple wacky things. Um, so you once you obliterate your opponent, and we should mention that uh, you know you don't just go over and stomp on them; they're shooting at you. In the mm-hmm. first level, it's just guns, uh, and you'll get a you get a lot of anti-aircraft, and it can knock you out of the sky. Uh, when your when your uh, when your plane gets damaged enough, uh, your your oil light will start flashing, and you're smoking and smoldering, and that means you better start hightailing it back to the base, uh, because you are back to your uh, carrier because you're about ready to to run to die. Uh, also, you can go back to the carrier to get more uh, armaments. Uh, you could also just go back for no good reason, can't you? you just, they, you could land and take all as many times as you want, as far as right. I can tell. Did you? Yeah. Um, let's talk about getting back to your to your uh, aircraft carrying landing boat. What What did you think of that and how it's uh, executed? Um, I like it. That's probably my favorite part of the game. I love the fact that when you run out of ammo or if you get damaged. Uh, you you have options. It's not just like, oh man, I gotta go, I gotta I gotta beat the rest of this level before uh, before I die. Uh, you if you feel like you can't beat the level of what you've got, all you have to do is just circle around the zero, land on the land on the carrier, refuel, get fixed, and go back out there. I love it. Yeah, the uh, and and you of course you'll get presented with the uh, with the ammo choice and just go back out. So really, you have. I mean, you have three men, but you have an unlimited amount of men if you don't die. You can just keep, like boats say, just keep going back. The landing procedure is interesting. There's four rings on the, on, the, on the deck, and you can come in at some crazy angles and hit those rings, can't you, Boat? Yes, absolutely. You can, <laughs> and you have to come in the opposite way that you take off. The rings are on the other side of the boat. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, I cannot successfully land every time, Boaster. I can take off every time, but I can't land every time. I got to be Often pretty good. I, I got to be Go pretty ahead. good at landing. I found landing to be much easier than it, pretty much any other game where you land on a carrier. Uh, that's usually the Achilles heel in a lot of these games. I know they, the uh, Nintendo version, the NES version of Top Gun is infamous for its uh, inability to, to land uh, regularly. I thought that this game does landing. Of course, it is ridiculous. I mean, like, there's no way you could possibly land coming in the way that you do in some of these times. But it's lenient in a good way, for sure. Yeah, it, it's, it, yeah I agree with you. It, I, it's funny. When we played this on the X68000, the way I had to take off, it wasn't. I couldn't take off in that game for crap, and so I would have to take off. And the second I got air, I had to start banking. Like and I would go up like a corkscrew. Mm-hmm. It was the stupidest looking thing you ever saw. But uh, thankfully, you don't have to do it on the Amiga. Right. <laughs> I had to do it over, over. But I could not land on the sixty-eight thousand version very well at all. And this one, I had more success landing. Uh, and like you said, it's 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 it, there's a logic to it, even though there's not, because you couldn't bring a plane in like you do. As long as you get your tail down, you can pretty much come in at any angle, and that if you, as long as your tail hits a hook, you're down. And there's even a little animation where the little rubber band stretches. Yeah, and- I thought that was a, a neat little touch. This game does have a lot of the art is 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 quite good. I would yeah. say the art's quite uh, good. When when you're bombarding the island, uh, you'll see troops running out, and much like saying like the strafing part of uh, wings. You can just gun them down. You can also drop bombs on them mm-hmm. if you're particularly vicious. <laughs> you can really jack these little guys up as they run around. Uh, and uh, but you're 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 supposed to knock out as many as you can. Now, uh, um, I did not ever get past 
I think the furthest I ever got, I've gotten further than this, not this week, though. I've never gotten past the third stage. How Do you remember how far you've gotten in this I thing? didn't beat the first stage. Oh, oh, really? No. Okay, well, I, I, did, I did beat the first stage. I, well, when, when we talk about what I didn't like about this game, I'll explain more. The, uh, I think the best parts of this game are actually, because once you, once you go back up for the next round, you have uh, zeros that come after you, uh, enemy, enemy uh, aircraft. And the enemy aircraft spice things up com- uh, a lot. It's a lot more fun because they, when they pursue you, and when you've got the bombs and stuff going off, uh, the anti-aircraft stuff, you get a with the planes. You get a. Oh, it almost looks like uh, footage from a like from a war, like mm-hmm. an actual war. Uh, they do a good job of like a long distance dogfight. The funny thing about the the levels where you have to fight uh, other planes is that. You can you can't as far as I can tell you can't run into the other planes. Right. Oh, I, I, I watched think, I watched a long play of this and I never saw that. Right. Uh, and what really is a lot of fun is when you and I, I think I may have gotten here maybe one time. I remember getting to this point and I think of how cool it looked. But there's a point in the game. I think it's the third level where it gets dark, and and, and the light when they when the the anti aircraft stuff's going off it the the sky will go from kind of black to red real quick mm-hmm. and the flashes at night look really cool mm-hmm. and that's the level where you could actually go after the opponent's aircraft carrier now like I said in the X sixty eight thousand version this I got to do that on the first level and I think that going after the aircraft carrier is a lot more fun than bombing the the land targets I, I thought so anyway uh, but I never got that far this this week. Uh, I just couldn't get that far. My, this game, the, my biggest gripe with this game is just the way the plane handles. It's it's kind of tough to maneuver in the boat. Well, it's hard to know exactly what my problem is with this game because when you look at the individual pieces, like it, not, not nothing is awful. But when you put them all together, this is this is one of these games where the game is actually less than the sum of its parts somehow. Um, because I think that the plane itself, it looks great. I think that it doesn't, it handles sort of awkwardly, but I mean, it handles, I would say maybe more realistically because of that. Like when you bank and turn, it's not like you just whip around, you know, like yeah. you, you got a slow bank and turn. Um, if you are actually piloting a plane and you're getting low enough where you're actually flying below the tree line to yeah. gun guys down, I mean, you're going to be, it's going to be pretty crazy. It's going to be crazy time. That said, I don't want crazy time. You know, I want something where I feel like I'm in a little bit more control. Um, even at the, at the, you know, at the expense of, um, at the expense of uh, kind of realism, I guess. Um, so I, I thought that this game handled the landing sequence great because it doesn't make it as hard, obviously, to land on the carrier as they could have. But especially, I didn't have a problem with bombing the targets as much as I did with gunning the guys down. And I know that's a big part of the fun of the game, is getting down low and really dropping the hammer on these guys with your guns. Um, I would frequently crash, you know, doing that because I would just get, I would, I would lose control of my craft. Um, I, I didn't really think that this game was that much fun, to be honest with you. I thought it was, it was... There's nothing wrong with simple games, but I thought that this game was simple and just too too difficult. I couldn't, like I said, I played this game a lot. I turned the uh, I turned the volume off almost immediately. You know, I listened to it for a while. This there's no in-game music. Um, 
and I would just play. I play. I played some Bowie records, and uh, and I would just sit here and play this thing, and, and I wasn't getting any better. I guess that's 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 really the problem that I have. It's not that the game is too difficult. It's just that I would play it over and over and over, and I would never feel like I was actually getting to grips with things any better than I did when I started. I can't wholly disagree with you on a lot of what you said. The plane, you know, and I guess what they were going for when they put this together, because remember that game we played Dogfight? Yeah. Uh, uh, on the Amiga, mm-hmm. on Amigathons and stuff yeah. where you, you know, and we, I mean, we reviewed it. We, we enjoyed that game. It was silly, dopey fun. But the plane was mostly pilotable. Right. You know what I mean? It still wasn't perfect. Well, I and part of the fun. Plane in this game. Part of the this fun with Dogfight. Handle, it handles uh, heavy. And it's tough to, uh, and which I'm guessing they're going for a realistic approach, because otherwise, you, I mean, you don't see, you don't see, uh, uh, you don't see these kind of planes buds bombing and strafing guys like every five minutes. It ha- takes them a while, and they have to go around. And, and here's know, the and thing: so there's a realism there, but I don't necessarily want that. I would like to have, uh, I'd like to be able to like be more of a cowboy, you know, type yeah. in the wheel. I want to really be able to go crazy. Uh, there's a this game has a it's a combination of it's it's in some ways it's sort of slow I guess it's sort of like actual combat there's lots of slow parts intermittently mixed with like mad, manic parts where you're mm-hmm. trying to do the best you can I went when I tried to strafe troops and stuff I went belly down a lot of times which yeah. I'm sure you did too yeah where you get down real low and you just you hit the ground yeah um, it's hard. It was always hard to gauge how much damage I had because you start smoking pretty early on, mm-hmm. uh, but you sort of had to guess uh, how much you could take. Yeah, why there's no damage gauge in this game is beyond me because, well, I mean, I, of course, in real life you don't have a damage gauge, but guess what? In real life you're not looking at your plane side on either, you know? Yeah, um, well, the, the oil, when, I know when the oil light's flashing, you're you're in deep trouble. That mm-hmm. was sort of like my signal to, like, time to go back to... to well, I mean, and when you're smoking, you know you're not, you're not in good shape. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, getting getting back to your your thing about biplanes or uh, dogfight, which I think is they're about the same game. Um, the the planes in that game are difficult to control, also. But your buddy is having just as hard a time as you are, and you're flouncing around, you know, and you accidentally blow each other up. You accidentally blow yourself up, and it's a good time because you're both on an even playing field. You know, it's a two player game. This game, I don't necessarily think the plane is that much more difficult to control than the game by planes. It's just the setting that makes it not as fun. Well, I think I think this is one of those games that longer play would produce a better pilot. Here's another thing. This game, what this game could have used is some gauge to tell you how many targets you had left once you once you start the game. Because I know it tells you like at the beginning, it gives you some sort of a read. But and it will say at the bottom, when once you clear once you clear the stage, it says, okay, yeah. go back to the thing. What I would have liked to have seen is just, you know, a gauge some some sort of uh, a thing to say you've got this many things left to kill because it's hard to tell when you're up in the air how many things are still dis- or not destroyed yeah. yet. And especially when you get to the point you're like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, I've, yeah, I've pounded this thing in the dirt. I agree. Or at least something else I like to tell uh, is a mission briefing. Okay, this round you're going after ships, so you want me to pick torpedoes, for example. Right. You know, stuff like that. That seems like common sense. A little, a little color wouldn't have hurt this game at all. I'm not saying that it has to be full-on wings with the guy's diary and all that stuff. I mean, obviously, that's the, that's the king of the jungle. But it would have been nice to have, hey, this is your, your island. They could have made up, you know, fake Japanese-sounding island names, you know. It would have put you more in the experience. Well, I, I will say, I think this game gets a little, uh, I think this game does improve, as, at least as far as I got into it, I was enjoying it more the visual, visually, 
you know, but uh, uh, it's just hard to get there. This is I, I don't consider this an easy game. And, I, I again, I think with some practice, you can get better at it. I got better as the week went on. But like you said, you could think you're doing well and still have problems, and you know, there's not a whole lot you could do about it. You know, um, some of the wackier bits about this game, uh, that I, and I remember this from our other show, uh, in, in 92, this game uh, got put on the old German index, uh, oh, the bad index, yeah. which means your, your game is, is gone. Mm-hmm. The only one of the uh, Wings of Fury games you can play in Germany is the Game Boy Color version. And that's because they sort of sanitized it in terms of you can't shoot troops with your plane, a few other things. So that's sort of the, if you want the rated like PG version, the Game Boy Color one is the, uh, is the one to go after uh, right there. Interesting. Um, I looked up some reviews on this thing, Boatster, uh, and it got pretty decent reviews. There's one here I don't understand, but maybe somebody might. Uh, Lemon gives us a 7.75. Uh, uh, Amiga Action uh, in November of '90 gave this 39% boat. They just, I did not like it. Amiga Format gave it an 84, same month. So that's a huge gap. Yeah, right that's crazy. CU Amiga gave this an 83, and Amiga Joker gave this a 51 out of 100. So, I mean, the, the reviews were sort of all over the map, but I think it's going to come down to the controls, boat. Uh, honestly, yeah, I think I think some either it's something you can wrap your head around. Like I'm, I think I like this a little more than you. Mm-hmm. I, my brother used to play this game all the time. Mm-hmm. He was a real big fan of this game, so I played it some. Uh, but I, uh, um, going back to it, it is the controls. I think robbed this from being a much more fun experience. If this had been sort of a straight up arcade style controlled plane, I think it would be a lot more fun than it was. In yeah, my they, they they really I could you know they, this is another um, another game where you can see the vision you can see what they were trying to do it just wasn't executed you know as well as as it could have been but at the same time it's really hard except forgive you know just sort of like um, umbrella things like tighten up the controls uh, it would be hard for me to figure out a way to what do you think if they made if they made this game a, uh, what if they made the, I don't know, like, what if they made it wrap around? What if they made the islands a little bit smaller? And uh, what if you, what if you just, you know, you flew over? I think the thing where I would become the most frustrated, which is the endless amount of turns that I have to do, where you, you know, you come down, you bank down, you miss, you have to circle back around, you have to do it again. At the core of the game, all you're doing is taking off, circling around, dropping bombs, circling around, dropping bombs, landing. You know. We should mention the turn animation is awesome. It is. It's and, very and good. The, the graphics in this, I think, I like them more than you. I thought they were pretty sharp. I've got uh, they, nothing they, against the graphics. I think the graphics look great. You, you know, Broderbund produced or uh, you know published this, and there are hints of their touches in it. It's sort of parts of it remind me sort of like Choplifter. And their little attention to detail in some of the like the little buildings and stuff, mm-hmm. like in Choplifter, mm-hmm. and their little guys running around. Uh, this isn't as good a game as Choplifter, although Choplifter, much like this, had was all they have a lot in common. The more yeah. I think about it, because it's also difficult to control. This game is very much like Choplifter. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, but uh, it, overall, uh, you know, I, I for me, it all comes down to the. I, I don't. I listen. I'm old. How about this? I want to sit down and play a game where I don't have to fight the controller. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to fight. I just want to take my plane and do cool stuff. Loops and crap. I don't want any realism in this kind of game. 
You know, realism is for a 3D game. I want, I just want to be, I want an arcade fun time shooting stuff. That's what I want. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. Do we have any uh, discords on this one, Boats? We do. Uh, Lobsterminator says, this is among the first games I, I'm sorry, this is among the games I first fire up every time I've had a break from the Amiga. What I love most about it is that it works both as quick, aimless fun for 10 minutes and a longer proper play session. The bombing and strafing are very well done, but the combat against other planes feels pretty half-assed. It lacks a lot of variation, but surprisingly that has never hindered my enjoyment. A classic that I still love despite its flaws, 7.5 out of 10. Lord Soup writes, Great presentation and superb fun attacking ground. Dogfighting is a little of a chore, and a better dogfighting experience is the only thing holding this back from being a true great IMO. Still, bombing is fun and torpedoing, torpedoing boats satisfying. 8 out of 10. And finally, Pixels at Dawn writes, If you like side-on dogfight games like Biplanes and Dogfight, this is effectively the single-player mode. Looks great, especially the turning animation, and the sound design is lovely as the planes scream through the blue skies and drop bombs on the unsuspecting enemy. Well thought out, too, with the zoomed-out view when you hit the flight screen ceiling making a real difference. Unfortunately, it can get a little samey, but in short bursts, this shouldn't be a problem. Quite hard, though. A thoroughly fun game in all respects, 7.5 out of 10. You know, they bring up some interesting points here, and I know you didn't get far enough into this for the dogfighting or the or shooting at the carriers, mm-hmm. But one of, one of the the dogfighting part, it's almost when I know the when I would play it, it was just sort of like you get lucky and you have an angle, and which I mean maybe again, I, whoever made this, and I remember I, I remember I was watching a video and the guy who made this actually commented on the video, so he actually knows what's going on. The uh, uh, he he may have been shooting for that real realistic sort of thing, but to me the dogfighting, it, it, there's not much to it. Mm-hmm. I will say uh, someone mentioned like it was soup. The torpedoing of the boat is that's a really fun, and if you time it right, if you get lucky, you can sort of torpedo, and you can sort of follow your torpedo in. That's kind of fun too. Yeah, you know yeah. when you do that. Which so hopefully, I, you should try to give this. I, I don't know about yours, but my version this has a trainer on it. Mm. You should fire up that trainer boat and just and then and go to some of the later levels and see see if you enjoy those more than the early. So yeah, I, I would have really like I would have really appreciated a stage select in this for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I did, that it didn't have. All right. Oh, one oh eBay, uh, eBay. The eBay on this, uh, there were none available when I looked, uh, but some had sold recently for fifty dollars and twenty dollars the box. Mm. Okay. Your, cool. Your mileage may vary. All right, Aaron. Last week, the uh, we debuted our first ever Patreon song challenge. Uh, uh, that was a full band arrangement. We had uh, the bass, the guitar, the drums, everything, boss man, etc. Unfortunately, nobody got nobody guessed the the song. <laughs> so what was the song? Well, it's a you know I I picked sort of a regional group. This is a Canadian outfit called Bare Naked Ladies. I think that they might have, they, they, they were definitely a thing in the States for a hot minute. I yeah. don't know if they if they breached the Atlantic at all to go over to Europe. Um, so, uh, you know, I it was a song that popped into my head that I knew I could probably get by playing all the guitar parts for. 
Um, it was called Alcohol. Alcohol by Bare Naked Ladies. That's the name I of the song. I never heard of it, Bo. Yeah. I, my, you know, uh, Teresa's nephew has seen them in concert dozens of times. He loves them. Oh, yeah. They're one of these bands, sort of like They Might Be Giants, where they've got a, a big cult following, yeah. you know. I never um, liked them that much myself. Yeah, well, they're they're very Canadian, for sure. Um, so, the uh, today's Patreon song uh, it comes from a much more famous group. Um, and, uh, this is, uh, this is, this is this week's song. So if you know the answer to that Patreon song, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. And you can, uh, there, are, there are multiple, multiple answers. You can either send the original artist or the artist that actually wrote the song that performed it much, much better than the original version, which is a little bit dopey. Um, so, Aaron, next week on Amigos, 
we are going to um, we are going to delve into a choice of game that you and I were tasked to give several suggestions about games that we might want to play. Um, and uh, the game selection committee voted on from our suggestions. So these are all games that we, we decided that we, we might want to play. And yeah. out of that huge list, we are going to be playing Little Computer People. Okay, I'll do it. Have you ever played Little Computer People before? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if you play Little Computer People. You just sort of experience Is this a, a in Soviet people. Russia thing you're setting up here? <laughs> no. I thought I that was where you were going with the that. Boat on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we want to thank all the fine folks who have joined us in uh, Twitch chat this week. Picard 2010, Paul Kitching, uh, Duncan Styles, Mitsuyama, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, thank you for participating in the Patreon song picks. Uh, L. Curtis B., Hermski, Tampon of Truth, uh, <laughs> Edvin Helland, Polyester Links, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, we want to also thank all the fine folks that subscribe to us on Twitch. Uh, you could subscribe to us and get all the same benefits as Patreon. G Vebke, Chris Folds, Judge Dave, Spy Hunter UK 2016, Frodo NL, The Slow Norris, Darkwing 602, Honored Shadow, Go to Go Sub, Mitsuyama, Johnny Renegade, Wing Chun Wolf, Buck oh, oh. Owens, Still Adolescing, Retro Jerry, Creepy Dead Boy, Rushi, MSX, Roushi, sorry, I always say that wrong, and Christian Russell, Rousel. What is wow. this ROU names? Get them out of here. Get them out of here because I don't know how to say them. Yeah, if your name starts of... with an ROU, unless your name there's is like Rouge. List, well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people out there that love you. They love, love you, man. I'll... Thank God. I'm glad somebody does, Boat. <laughs> we appreciate it, guys, very much. All right. It's so weird to not... I, I feel like the show can't be over yet.